0: Now, for some they are places of solitude, for others a world of the mythic and the mythical. Somewhere to let your imagination run wild, but for everyone, a museum can offer a little slice of heaven. To discuss the trials and tribulations of running a museum or an archive um, and delivering that slice of heaven, I'm delighted to say I'm joined today by Jill Cousins. She's director of the Hunt Museum in Limerick. Tom O'Reilly is the Director of the Leprechaun Museum here in Dublin. And Catherine Toulon is the Managing Director of Diageo Irish Brand Homes, the Guinness Storehouse. And you're all very welcome to the programme. Jill, we might start with you. Tell us a little bit about the Hunt Museum, what it does and uh, how you attract visitors.
1: Well, it's, um, it's a great museum. It's actually uh, houses one of Ireland's greatest private collections of art and antiquity. So we've got things from the Neolithic, of the 20th century, it was a collection that was donated by John and Gertrude Hunt, to the people of Ireland, and it's housed in the Custom House, which is an 18th century Palladian-style building, Georgian building in um, uh, Limerick. We do a lot of things around learning and um, education, a lot of community-based work, um, and we put on exhibitions and the like.
0: So the importance then of, I suppose, peripheral activities, uh, you mentioned some of them there, in terms of, uh, you know, making the numbers stack. uh, How important is that?
1: Well, they are important. They're more important in terms of getting your repeat visitors um, or getting people to come back or making them think about it beyond being just a place that you go and hang out on a rainy day and you've got nothing else to do. So they're important from that reason. They don't necessarily make us a lot
0: of money. Right. Stay with us, Jill, because I want to bring in our next guest, who's Tom O'Reilly. He's the director of the Leprechaun Museum. Tom, tell us about the Leprechaun Museum. How long is it there?
2: Uh, 13 years now, believe it or not. And it's today, 13 years ago, we we opened our doors. Wow. So it's amazing. Um, And we started that in the recession. So I'm there from the get-go. Design, build, finance and operate. Um, It's been really interesting. And we do everything through oral storytelling. So it's taking people into the past, into that history of oral storytelling in Ireland.
0: And is the the name the Leprechaun Museum, is that slightly misrepresentative in terms of you do much more than talk about leprechauns?
2: We do indeed, but it's a, it's a gateway into that whole world of mythology and folklore. And the Leprechaun is a, is a key gateway into that world. So it makes it easy to approach and it's for everybody. Um, so anybody can approach it. Um, and then we just take you on a journey into that space.
0: So, interesting enough, as a museum or a place uh, where one might expect to see things hanging on the wall, and that that's not you.
2: No, it's intangible heritage. Right. So it's it's spoken word, it's uh, uh, oral history, um, and I taps back into a time before we even had writing things down.
0: Wow, very interesting. Now, I know the museum is an essential part of the uh, the Guinness storehouse, and I'm delighted to welcome. Uh, the managing director uh, of said storehouse, Catherine Toolan, to the programme. Catherine, thanks for joining us. Um, I I want to talk maybe about the museum and archive piece of the storehouse. I know there are lots of other things there, but the importance of it and. Maybe tell us a little bit about that, if you
3: would. Good morning, Bobby, and it's a pleasure to be here. Yes, we, as part of our seven floors of the immersive experience in the Guinness Storehouse, we we house um, the Guinness Archive. And that's going back to as far as 1759 when Arthur Guinness signed his lease. Um, Evelyn Colgan heads up our archive team. And the archive actually helps us tell the stories of the past, but also shapes the present and the future. It's it's, It's probably the largest commercial archive um, in the world that's open to the public and every day uh, we work with people that have either uh, you know, a Guinness heritage or have worked with Guinness in some way um, and very excitingly we launched our new website last week and the archive is going to become a key part of that and as Tom said it is about storytelling it's about making connections with the past but also learning um, about the past to bring the future to life.
0: So I know you had, uh, how many visitors had you last year one point?
3: We went from... Um, Covid recovery, which was very very quiet two years, to just under one point. We one point one point one million visitors last year.
0: Okay, and what's your when you when you think about that many people coming? That's what eight thousand odd a day, I think. So we're talking big numbers here. What do you think that say is is what the American visitor wants versus somebody over from Birmingham versus the Spanish Spanish student? Do they all want the same thing, or do they want different things, or how do you? How do you offer the the portfolio of what it is you do to to capture what everybody wants?
3: Yes, it is about 8,000 people a day and that takes a huge amount of logistics, but it also takes a huge amount of training of our team to make sure that they can assess a visitor, whether they be American, mm. an American visitor who actually maybe doesn't even know about the two-part pour of a pint of Guinness and are you know, about to grab it before it actually has time to surge and settle, or an Irish visitor, and uh, and as we all know the Irish visitors and our domestic visitors have been so important through COVID and that's something that's going to continue to be important um, so Irish visitors want to know a lot more about the immersive experience of Guinness, they want to know about how it's brewed, they want to know about the advertising and indeed we're right in the middle of St. Patrick's Day. So bringing to life music, culture, entertainment is very important for the domestic visitors. Giving, and that in turn um, represents a really great product because the international visitors more so than ever want to be immersed in something that's really authentic. Um, So that's... that's Well, it's a
0: very busy weekend for you and we're delighted that you were able to take time out of your busy schedule to join us. Uh, Back to you, Jill, down at the Hunt Museum. Can you tell me about the... I suppose, the sources of funding for your business. What grants are out there? Who helps you? Uh, or is it solely uh, based on goodwill and commercial activities?
1: Yeah, well, we are a private museum, so we do get about half of our funding from the Department of Culture, and the rest of it we have to raise. Um, so we raise that through grants, um, through admissions. So we have an exhibition on at the moment, Uh, that we charge for um, called made of earth
0: typically how much would that be to the consumer charge
1: 1250 for a combined ticket to that and and the museum right and actually that's a uh, as the others were saying it's a very doing experience very deliberately um, telling stories about the objects but also you get to play with clay and get into vr and interactive experience and i think that's very important but our other funding, our major source of funding, my, my best source of funding, um, is probably uh, European grants. Um, so we're, we're in the middle of a, a large one called Recharge, which is about new participatory business models for museums. And, right. and for that, we're working with corporate social responsibility activity
0: and uh, budget. uh, Always always. a big skill, Jill, knowing where the European money is buried Uh, (laughs) and being able to ferret it out. That's a a, a job well done. Back to uh, you, Tom, in the Leprechaun Museum. You talked about the the the, words, the act, the immersion in the Leprechaun Museum. How do you train your people?
2: It's uh, well, We have a training program and that's one of the things we spend a lot of time doing is making sure the storytellers are engaging um, because it's the point of contact for anyone's experience is that storyteller and the experience they're delivering out. So having someone there who's very responsive to them, and we limit the group sizes so that you get a very uh, in-depth personal experience. Um, um, you're, we're asking people to spend about 45 minutes in engaging with the process. Um, so. Um, it's ongoing, it's all the time, it's probably the biggest job I do is making sure that the storytellers are getting trained all the time. And it's, it's, And in fact, at the moment, we're, we've we set up a business uh, teaching storytelling to outside groups. So that's because we're doing it all the time. We just said, well, look, we can roll this out. We keep getting demand for it now. I, I think there probably would be
0: a perception out there if that you're called the Leprechaun Museum that Americans would be the biggest target audience. Am I writing saying that after... Uh, the UK, then Europe, then Irish, then comes the Americans. That's right. In terms yeah. of your visitor numbers. Yeah.
2: There's a, there's a really um, deep uh, desire to know more about this arena. Um, and uh, as people come through the process, they go, okay, we didn't know that. Can you tell us some more about it? Um, so we get repeat visits, particularly from Irish people who are coming in for a different value on the experience. We do a night-time one for adults only. So it's exploring the sort of darker side of Irish folklore and mythology. And um, There's quite a bit of... Uh, um, how do you say psychological trauma involved in some of those stories? And does the leprechaun name
0: restrict you in any way? It sounds like it might.
2: Um, it sounds like it might, but you you're also then competing with a lot of other attractions like the Guinness Storehouse. And you're going, what's interesting about Ireland? And it's not what our perception is; it's what the out, outside perception is. Also, uh, I think you know there's a there's a thing where they say it's the pizza effect that when it, when something goes abroad, it's it's reprocessed, repackaged. And we said, actually, we should own that. Leprechauns are only found in Ireland, so why don't we own that? <laughs> Why don't we go and talk about that and say, say the story the way we want it told. Uh, Catherine,
0: can I ask you about the retail sales? And I know based on 8,000 people coming a day, they must be phenomenal. What percentage of the 8,000 would you hope would buy something uh, in, the, in, the retail, in the retail spend there?
3: We target over 60% to uh, buy in our retail store. It's a really important part of, um, you know, the ho- the overall experience. And I think, you know, we, we do run businesses to make sure that we, we deliver for the customer. So when the customer comes in, they've had their immersive experience and then they leave um, at the end of the experience, hopefully having gone to retail and bought something. Our engraved and personalised glasses are probably our most popular yeah. item. I um, actually
0: visited last year with a, a group of Americans and I hadn't been there for a number of years. And I thought, I actually thought that this, and they thought it was fantastic, which made me think this is great. And again, they spent lots of money in the retail piece at the end.
3: Uh, Capitalising on a visitor, you know, when your visitor is in your experience, that's the opportunity to make sure that you can, you know, add value to the visitor, but also uh, drive the revenue. And it
0: brings me back to another point, the the prepayment. If you can get your visitor to prepay, would it be right in saying that they're more likely to spend on retail if they've prepaid rather than they're paying on the day?
3: Yes, I mean, uh, a are working uh, across the uh, industry, the visitor attractions and experience industry, to encourage people to invest in technology. Uh, we've done that in the Guinness Storehouse, so we have an online ticketing system, and as I mentioned, a new website. So the funnel, uh, people first decide to come, but the experience in Ireland is not just about one visitor experience; it's about a couple, and getting them to pre-purchase their ticket in advance first of all they're more, um, it's a more planned experience for all of us operationally um, rather than knowing how many people like it's raining today I just left the storehouse and there's hundreds of people outside um, but if it was sunny they may not come so Pre-purchase means that we know and they know what they're doing. And actually, they do tend to spend more because they've already made that purchase. So they'll spend more on the day because they have their discretionary income for that day to spend.
0: Yeah, no, no. Very interesting. Uh, back back to you, Jill, in terms of uh, ancillary commercial activities, the coffee shop, the gift shop, uh, how important is that to the Hunt Museum?
1: They they're important actually for the reasons I think that Catherine's outlined. It's it's very um are their their additions, it's the reasons that people come here. I think also taking up her point, we we now have we're part of something called the Discover a Limerick uh pass, which um again is around uh prepaying. They don't from our point of view generate huge amounts of income. Um we do locally uh, made crafts uh, for the for the gift shop uh, and the like, and we ha- we now have an online um, uh, gift shop as well. But the problem is that the turnover we don't have the size of the Guinness storehouse turnover, yeah. and the turnover means that you cannot buy in the quantities that make it really worthwhile. So I'm looking at models like the the Dutch museums, for instance, all clubbed together. So there is a Dutch museums online. Um, it means that their fulfilment is done a bit like Amazon will do their uh, fulfilment. Um, but they're also their purchasing power is together, um, you know, considerable. So they can all have mugs, but they can have different designs on those mugs. Whereas if we buy ten mugs, um, we have to pay far more than we're going to get. Uh, uh, well, then somebody really wants to pay for it when they come to, to purchasing it. Yeah. So I think there are sort of, it's, it's a different model for, for us and I'm, I'm looking at how do we maybe work with the other Irish museums and, and have something similar to the Dutch uh, museum model.
0: Okay, Tom, back to you. How do you uh, get the number of people over the door? What had you got? You had a hundred and odd thousand people? 000, yeah. Last year. what What's the strategy
2: there in, in? and I presume that's a number you take, you know, you pay a lot of attention to. It is a huge, yeah. Yeah. So, um one of the, well, we get a lot of repeat visitors, believe it or not, so, and that helps an awful lot, and referrals are really excellent for us. So that's where we aim and we focus on, and at the end of every tour, there's a 10-minute breakout with the storyteller. So there's a lot of um, what we call narrative takeout. What's the story that somebody is bothered to tell somebody else about the place? Right. So we, we, a lot of referrals happen that way, and as Catherine said, you know, uh, these audiences are coming from all over the world. So it's really hard for us, unlike, we don't have the budget, a Guinness store has to be advertised at the airport. So we have to be really specific. So a lot of social media, a lot of other activities going on, and so we, we built an audience. And, you know, when you're setting up a new business, building momentum is key, and that's really what it is. Once you build up a certain amount of momentum, then you can begin to harvest off that. But it was really, at the beginning, it was really working on the numbers and, and trying to make sure the thing goes. And I remember standing outside the museum for the first time, there was a queue outside, and I'd go, my God, it's working. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, and Captain, they're all, I think they've been all very hard on you in the, in the, in the Guinness storehouse. Well, delighted I, I
2: delighted think, to have Guinness in the I city. I think
0: it's a wonderful, a wonderful attraction. I think... It, it, it's just great that so many international visitors and I know you you mentioned the importance of the domestic visitor but it is really something that that people you know regardless of what anybody thinks that's something international visitors want to do so let them do it and let them enjoy it exactly. is what I say
3: exactly exactly and look you know at the end of the day yes we are a larger experience and we're lucky to have you know a Guinness brand that is renowned and well known all over the world but hopefully we do our bit for Dublin by actually encouraging visitors to to go to other experiences, of course it's you not do. Not just the storehouse, um, and and the other thing about it is word of mouth is actually the most important marketing tool. So we can advertise in in um, in the airports, but word of mouth um, is the most important tool. And that is about having a wonderful experience on the day, and the visitor is going away with an emotional connection and actually telling somebody else about it and coming back.
0: And finally, can I ask you? Do you do you ever get frustrated with the fact that I take it that sometimes. You might have a requirement for ten thousand people in a day, and you can only take eight thousand. Uh, does that does that does that frustrate you?
3: Well. You know, I started when, in, when the doors were closed in yeah. the middle of COVID. So, so any business is good business. The only way was up. Um, yeah. And I'm very grateful. We're very grateful for every visitor that comes. And we do work hard to make sure that visitors have an amazing experience. And we also have just just before COVID, we invested in the second Gravity Bar um, overlooking the wonderful city of Dublin. So that, that helps us um, work to demand. But yes, it is very, we'd love to take more visitors. Um, but most days other than Saturdays, we have space. Yeah, our challenge. and also
0: I think part of the what I what was impressed with me was the the amount of people there adds its own buzz. The yes. fact that it's so busy <sighs> is just wonderful.
3: Believe me, Bobby, if you were in that building during COVID when it was I was oh, rattling around on my own, I'm <laughs> yeah. very glad and never will take for granted uh, our visitors. Well, that hopefully
0: that's long in the past. Uh, it's a great subject, and I've enjoyed the debate. Uh, thank you to my guests. Uh, Jill Cousins, Director of the Hunt Museum in Limerick, Tom O'Reilly, Director of the Leprechaun Museum, and Catherine Toolan, the Managing Director of Diageo Irish Brand Homes, the Guinness Storehouse. Thank, Thank you Bobby. all so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, you.
3: Thank you, everyone.